0: Hey everyone, welcome to The Lead, where we discuss the news and events happening in the community of Kahnawake. In this episode, we discuss the headlines that dominated 2021, including the COVID-19 pandemic, the Kahnawake Warhawks, the MCK elections, and Winter Wonderland. This podcast has been brought to you by First Nations Fibre. First Nations Wireless is now First Nations Fiber. You've seen our team working through the community to get you connected. From the new development to the OCR, from the 207 of Clay Mountains, FN Fiber makes fiber optic internet easy for everyone. Coming to Ganhuangas soon. Visit radio.fnfiber.com to sign up today. Hey everyone, my name is Jordan Standup. I am the assistant editor at Yerdiwaze. Today I am joined by our editor and publisher, Greg Horn, as well as our contributing writer, Mark Lalone. So welcome to the studio, gentlemen. Good day, sir. Happy to be here with you today, Jordan. So we're going to be talking about some of the things that have made headlines throughout the past 12 months. And of course, just like 2020, 2021 was also dominated by headlines of COVID-19 pandemic. And at the beginning of the year, the Quebec government began to introduce some new safety measures, including a curfew. I was just wondering which one of you gentlemen would like to start talking about this curfew that
1: was in place for nearly five months. Well, you know, I think when when uh, Quebec Premier Francois Legault implemented the the curfew in in, for the province of Quebec, which wasn't uh, didn't include Kahnawake, it was, you know, it was based on some anecdotal evidence about curfews in in places uh, like Italy and France that were hit much harder. Um by the pandemic than, than Quebec was at the time uh so the, you know the idea was to limit gatherings outdoor uh um indoors you know closing bars and you know basically um limiting where and how people can gather right uh so the the idea was to uh have uh, a curfew at nine p m until five a m uh and, and which would you know the hopes it was to discourage People from gathering together, uh, you know, and having to be at their their places of residence during the time. Um, but I think in actuality, it didn't really work throughout the first uh, few months of the year. Uh, there was uh, dominating uh, stories, um, you know, th- throughout Quebec of you know people having parties uh, and and you know lasting. You know th- those hours, and you know and it you know it was it just didn't really work, and it was one of those things I think that w- was an experiment, but it it just took forever for them to realize that it wasn't it wasn't having uh, that much of an effect right
2: if we look back, you can see sort of the 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 impact it had on people's mental health, I think far outweighed the impact it had on on relieving the strain of the virus on Quebec hospitals. Like, I mean, that was the idea. The idea was to um, reduce the strain on the healthcare system because, you know, at, at in the grand scheme of things, we have to look after people, we have to be able to take care of them when they get sick. And 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 that was the idea. It's a, it was a noble idea, it was a great idea. I think it didn't really work in practice and it lasted until May 28th, which seems astronomical when we're looking back, but as we record this, the Quebec government is uh, is considering implementing yet another curfew Uh, with an indefinite period and um, there's a lot of stress being felt on social media and in you know the larger Montreal area community so um, there's there's a lot of conjecture as Greg said earlier it's a great point there was anecdotal evidence that it had worked in places that were harder hit by the virus but no other jurisdiction in North America I think it has to be noted uh, implemented a curfew and I would argue that once more Quebec is a hot spot of COVID-19 and the discussion of a curfew I feel like once more might might be counterproductive but it's an election year so we don't know precisely what's going to happen.
1: I think it's important to note that all the measures that that all jurisdictions have have implemented, you know, since March 2020 hasn't been to stop the virus, it's to slow the spread and it's to to ensure that the healthcare systems don't get overrun. Uh, you know, that's, that's the, the, the only reason why all these, all these things are being done. Uh, you know, um, the, the, the novel coronavirus is that is, is that is, it's novel. It's brand new to human beings. And as such, it, it could, it, it can spread very quickly and rapidly to, to all age groups because nobody has any built in, uh, natural immunities. Uh, so, so that's why uh, everything that we're, we're we're talking about has to deal with, with with making sure that the healthcare system isn't overrun, uh, and and protecting the most vulnerable because the people who are the most vulnerable are the people who are gonna get get the sickest and and potentially die from this, This right? And, you know, the, the, the average everyday person who's healthy, you know, and, and is active and, and all that is, isn't going to be very impacted, but they could pass it on to somebody who's in, in the high-risk categories, right? And that's, that's, that's where the worry is. And that leads to uh, vaccination
0: clinics around, you know, earlier in the year, that's around the same time that we started to discuss things like
1: that happening in and around Gunawage December 2020, the First vaccines received approval, uh, first in the United States and then in Canada. And I believe the very first vaccine uh, administered in Quebec was done so in late December 2020. And then um, vaccination clinics for uh, the most vulnerable and and people in the frontline workers began here in the community. You know, people, you know, our you know, frontline workers were, were were being sent to uh, vaccination centers uh, at the 1030. Uh, to get vaccinated, and then um, I believe the residents at the, the KMHC and at the Elder's Lodge also were, were vaccinated very early on. And then uh, come to March, uh, early March, the the vaccination clinic for the general public in, in the community opened up at the Mohawk Bingo on, uh, on Route 138.
0: Also, while people were working from home and a lot of people were staying home throughout the beginning of the year, a lot of our community members started to get really creative in order to stay in touch with fellow community members. And uh, one of our local artists also started a, a beadworking challenge, which uh, we actually covered and we thought was fantastic.
1: Yes. Uh, Jessica Hernandez from Nisia's Accessories uh, started a uh, did an online beadwork challenge, uh, put out a pattern. Uh, through our social media, and just challenged all local beadwork artists in the community, and and from other and communities to, to 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 bead the same pattern, uh, and then submit it to to her page and, and and share the work for everybody. And you know there there was some phenomenal beadwork that was created for, uh, through this challenge. And
0: also a little bit earlier this year, um, we have the unfortunate uh, discovery of uh, mass unmarked graves at former residential schools um, all over the country. And it's something that we've known for, for quite some time, but the the word residential schools is being used more now than ever. And um, it's something that has been taken note of here in Kahnawake for absolute sure.
1: Yeah, um, you know, that 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 was a story from, uh, I believe, the, le- the late... Uh, late part of May at the former residential school in B- British Columbia, and you know they, they. This is something that I think everybody uh, who has family members who've attended uh, residential residential schools know is that uh, you know kids went were, were taken from their homes and 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 brought to residential schools and never returned, and they died at school. Uh, you know, some by sickness, some by. Uh, foul play and and you know at the hands of the the people who were who were entrusted with their care and this has been known uh, in 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 our communities for you know as long as residential schools have existed um, but uh, you know the, the the greater Canadian population either didn't know or refused to listen and now with with some you know ground penetrating radar being done uh, at, at that several residential school sites across Canada and, and, and discovering thousands of unmarked graves, um, you know, it's 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 very much real, and brought the country to like to a standstill and and and, and realizing that the history that they have learned isn't really the actual history of of, of this land, right? Yeah, and after the uh, the
0: initial discovery that you were just mentioning, Greg, of course, uh, our community members did a, a few things, and one of which was they began placing shoes in front of the uh, St. Francis Xavier Church as a way to remember the uh, the children who didn't come home from residential schools and uh heading closer to the summertime they also had a rolling blockade to uh, cancel Canada Day.
1: Yeah so uh I'll talk first about the the shoes it all started on a Saturday morning uh not long after uh the news broke and people were like wow you know what can we do and then one community member you know just went and and placed a pair of shoes there to represent the, the the children who never never came home and that that one act Really resonated with with the entire community, and and people began showing up uh, and, and placing hundreds of pairs of of shoes in front of the, the church, uh, you know, here in Gananoque. But uh, it was also something that would uh, you know uh, spread all over the place. It was hap- I think the fir- very first place it, it happened was in BC, and then you know people said, oh, this is this is something. This is a really good idea. It's, it, it was an act of I think some, a, a way to release the, the feelings that everybody was, was having, you know, and then, uh, you know, when I, when I, I was there, was, uh, I was go take some pictures and, and got some very powerful images. Uh, one, one community member uh, put a pair of boots there. And as he was placing them, uh, he just said, you know, this could have been me. And for a lot of people, it's some people, their brothers and sisters went to residential school and, and they didn't, and or, or the parents went to residential school, and 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 they didn't, and 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 the intergenerational trauma that residential schools caused, you know, is is still being felt today. I mean, the last residential school was uh, closed in the mid '90s, and you know, there's there's generations of people who don't speak their language and don't know their culture because of residential schools. You know, I mean, you know, my parents don't speak Gunaikurnai because their parents consciously said, well because if we suffered going to school um, for knowing our language and culture, we're not going to teach, you know, and, and there's, 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 you know, I think right across, across North America, there's people, you know, I think it's, uh, I think they referred, referred it to as the lost generation uh, of, of people who, who did not learn their language and culture. And, and, you know, and that's such a, such a disservice that happened uh, because of residential schools and, uh you know in 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 the 70s and and into the 80s in in our community we started making uh a very very concerted effort into bringing back our language and culture and and you know with the establishment of 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 all these uh immersion programs and 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 opportunities for people to learn the language so so you know the the goal of the residential school system which was to assimilate native children into uh canadian society didn't work and you know the people who are who are here today in, the, in our community today are a testament to to how it didn't work because we're, you know, we're still here. We're still we still know our language. We still know our culture. We still practice our ceremonies, you know. And 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 that's a good thing. And and you know, I think that um, because of the discoveries, uh, and it made it real. Like it was something tangible, saying, "Oh, you know, there's 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 there are." You know the our oral tradition is like once again being vindicated as, as fact, and people were like, okay, well we have to do something, and you know these discoveries were made public, you know, in June leading up to Canada Day, and you know the 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 entire entirety of Indian country in in, in Canada was in mourning. And, you know, one of the things that people had asked was, was that, you know, because, you know, so many people were, were hurting, you know, and grieving, uh, through this time that, you know, perhaps it, it you know, it wouldn't be prudent to, to have Canada Day activities, uh, you know, especially since, you know, we're, we're, we're also in the middle of a pandemic and, and all this and that. And then so, so, uh, across social media, there was a hashtag that 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 emerged and and it was uh cancel canada day and on canada day uh we you know our community of course was was one of the ones to to very much take this uh this idea and and roll with it and uh, a rolling blockade was held um you know re- from uh the boundaries of the community and 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 just to show you know you know show Canada that we're not celebrating, you know, the, the, the birth of this country and, uh, and, and, and everything that it means. And at the same time, uh, a group of, 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 of men and women from uh, traditional men and women left the Longhouse on Route 207 and then, and then went and go and reclaim a, a, a parcel of land that's slated for development in Chattakee. And that's traditionally Guniagaha land, Guniagaha land.
0: Right. And talking about uh, residential schools and Cancel Canada Day and different things, it did spark a lot of support from outside of the community as well, because I remember some Chattagy residents placing shoes as well uh, outside of a, sh- a church rather in Chattagy. Uh Mark, what kind of uh, support were you seeing out on uh, your end in the West Island?
2: Well, I'd love to actually bounce off something Greg said earlier about non-Native people not knowing or turning a blind eye to... Residential schools, the trauma that that was inflicted, and and the horrors that that were perpetrated upon children there. I think that 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 the cancel Canada Day and the discovery of the bodies sparked a a turning point in in non native communities, and and I think maybe for once there was a little bit of recognition there. I I can speak to something I, I just drove past a sign yesterday outside Saint George. Ecole Secondaire saint George in Senneville. And it, it, it's a sign that is, it, it's on the, on the fence and it says missing gravestones and it, and it lists the number of kids that were discovered at each of the residential schools. And uh, I, I'm literally actually getting chills right now because I, the idea that 25 years ago, residential schools were still in operation in Canada, I, I can't even imagine. And... I can't believe that any history of a country I was part of had any part in, in perpetrating this.
1: You look at, at, at any history, right, and, you know, how, how, how it's framed. It's, and the people who, 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 who write history tend to, to gl- gloss over the very terrible things. And any country with a colonial history, like Canada, like the U.S., their hands aren't clean. They've had to do terrible things to to get to where they are today and and now sit there and and act like they, they have the moral high ground when they don't. You know, Canada, like the RCMP, Royal Canadian Mounted Police were created out of the Northwest Mounted Police which was created specifically to quell Canada's Indian problem. You know, so that's the history of, of Canada's national police force, you know, and, and that national police force is, is who took the children from their homes and brought them to residential schools. And the sole purpose of residential schools was to, was to take our languages and cultures away from us, change us into what they thought were good Canadian citizens, right? That's the entirety of, of what residential schools were for. So, for 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 Canada and and politicians today to say, oh well, we didn't know what happened and and we're ignorant. No, you 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 were willfully ignorant because these atrocities, the things that were happening in residential schools, were known, were talked about. You know, they were in media at the time, and and but people because it was Indian children, people didn't care, and it wasn't something. You know that that they that they they thought you know okay well you know what what what's what's uh you know abuses of few of 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 these people that we don't like anyway right so you know and and you know the entire the whole thing was to remove us from our communities and our territories to 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 pave the way for for them to take this land and develop it right and and that's that's you know it's all part of that that big master plan of removing us from our lands.
0: As we mentioned earlier, we we're talking about some of the biggest headlines from 2021, and it would be impossible to talk about it without mentioning
1: the Gunnawaga Warhawks. Yes. It's mm. yes. the Gunnawaga Warhawks. Uh, you know, this past summer was one of the only, baseball was one of the only sports that was, that was happening in, in our community. There was baseball and soccer, you know, and, and, and our soccer teams also did very well, you know, and then, but, but with the Warhawks, I mean, they, they gained so many players because other sports like lacrosse, uh, weren't happening. And we had, I don't know, what was it? Nine or 10 teams that were, were competing. I think it was 10 teams. I believe you're right. You know, from, from U9 up to U18, you know, that was, that was crazy. You know, and and we started a small project. Well, we thought it was going to be a small project over here, right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, and I said, right, let's 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 try to do do videos in a little bit of a different way and make something a little bit longer uh, than the weekend highlights, right? And you know, next thing you know, we have thirty plus hours of uh, of video footage, and at the end of the day, we have a fifty four minute documentary on on uh, the Warhawks. Uh, because the U eighteen, U fifteen, and U thirteen teams all won regional championships. They made history this year. It was amazing. Yeah, you know, and, and 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 for us to be there to to be able to uh, capture that and and watch it was, it, you know, it was you know something special. And I know I'm gonna remember remember for a long time. You know, and I hope these kids also remember that uh, what it felt like to 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 be to be playing on a team that that you know on teams that were that good. I've watched
0: the documentary half a dozen times, and every time I still get emotional. I still get goosebumps, and I can't believe the the ride that these kids were on this summer. It's an
2: incredible product, and if you haven't seen it, I highly recommend checking it out. It's great. It's hard not to watch and feel, you know, equal measures of pride and, and emotion for these kids.
1: And So, so the documentary is called Year to as it presents... Warhawks, and it's available on our social media pages uh, at facebook.com slash Uriwaze, uh, our YouTube channel, uh, just search Uriwaze, Uh and it's on our website at gunawagenews.com.
0: Greg, you mentioned earlier that sports were uh, far and few in between this summer, but we'll stick to the baseball diamond because the Gunawage Mixed Softball League also made it through yet another summer of successful baseball.
1: Yeah, that was, uh, it was different. Uh, you know, I, I, play for, uh, for the boys first, we started the season off, uh, with, uh, with, with different measures in place. Uh, you know, you only use, we were only pitching to ourselves, uh, you know, and, and, you know, it was just, was just very strange. And then as, as the situation of the pandemic, you know, cause at first the the whole idea was that was, we were playing, but it was only going to be for fun. There was going to be a championship. And then, uh, things, things evolved and, and the situation of the pandemic got better in the community. There was you know, almost no cases. Uh there was a lot things were a lot safer. And and then uh it shifted to basically a normal year. You know, there was a couple different different changes that were made, but it was still was it, it was more like a regular softball season. And uh at the end of the day, uh the KBC Yankees uh ended up winning uh winning everything and uh you know, it was a really good season. It was a lot of fun. I noticed the amount of fans that were gathering
0: around the uh, the ball field near Cattery Hospital uh, Tuesday and Wednesday nights for for softball, and it was pretty incredible.
1: Yeah, for sure. Uh, I mean, you know, without lacrosse happening, uh, without summer hockey happening uh, in you know different places, uh, you know, without all these other things and other activities to to, to do, you know, baseball uh, and with so much baseball happening in the community. Uh, you know, from from minor baseball to right, right to, to the mixed softball league, uh, you know, gave people something to do and go and watch and have that feeling of going and root for somebody again, right?
0: So now we're going to take it from the baseball diamond to the Ganawage Sports Complex, where the Mohawk Council of Ganawage elections were also held this summer,
1: and we also oh. have a new Grand Chief. Yes, new Grand Chief. So. That was, uh, you know, again, uh, the elections was a little bit different than, than we're used to, you know, having the venue change, uh, normally it's done at Gardinoha, or in the past it's been done at Catter School and at the youth center. Right. But, but in order to, 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 accommodate, I think the, the expected crowds and to be able to do it in, in a space, spaced out manner, uh, a, a much larger, uh, facility was needed and the lines were long, uh, you know, it took, uh. You know, I think 45 minutes for, for people to get through at certain times. But at the end of the day, uh, there, it was a five-person race for for Grand Chief, uh, you know, with uh, Kasnawe Sky Deer, who, who ended up winning. Gina Deer, Frank McCumber, Sterling Deer, and Keith Mayo. All, all running, uh, you know, on various platforms, you know, involving business, involving traditions and culture. I don't remember a time when there was that many people running. And that many people who had very good platforms, where it was very difficult to to pick, to handicap and and say who's who's going to be the clear cut winner here. Uh, at the end of the day, uh, Kusunahoe came out victorious. Uh, the community did lose, you know, some experience at the table with uh, uh, Frank McCumber and Gina Deer, uh, both not being reelected because they were running for for the top job but at the end of the day i think that uh you know the community is in is going in the the right direction uh you know the first time uh we have a woman grand chief uh you know and first time you know her grand chief is also uh, a member of the lgbtq population that's uh you know very significant uh you know and, and at the national level afn is uh has also seen uh, a new leader uh, with uh, Roseanne Archibald, and and you know I think that you know um, it's going to be a very interesting uh, few years.
0: You know, around that that same time frame, we started to hear about the Delta variant related to COVID nineteen, of course, and that led to uh, cancellations of um, sporting events and just different things like that, including uh, of course the uh, Indigenous Games. Uh, the FNEC interschool games was also cancelled. As a result, uh, you mentioned earlier, Greg LaCrosse had been canceled. But um, what were the most concerning
1: things about Delta when we first started to hear about it? I think trying to think back, Delta, the, 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 the concerns were that it was, it was more contagious uh, and caused more severe illness than the other variants and the original strain of, of, of COVID-19 that first emerged in, you know, November, 2019. Uh, And then, you know, it was, it was very, very concerning. I mean, whenever there's um, new variants that are, that are emerging or discovered, uh, you know, and, and, and the unknown about, about them is also, is always the the scary thing. Right. And that was, that was one of the ones that was, that people were worried about that it was more, more airborne than, than anything else. and, And that we had seen up to that point. And, um, that's what, uh, led to, you know, people being very concerned about, okay, well, uh, it's coming out now, uh, it's emerging you know, it it, 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 should be coming, you know, within our area by, by, by September, October, you know, do we cancel school again? And, and all this and that. And, and at the same time, you know, kids hadn't been in school regularly since March, 2020. Right. So they had gone on March break and uh, they never came back. The education center made the difficult decision, like, uh, you know, to say, you know, you know, we're, we're having everybody come back to school. However, because at first date, they, they really wanted everybody back in school and, and, and only children with with uh, health issues uh, to do home learning uh, like it was offered the year before. But um, because of the emergence of Delta, they they then gave the option to 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 parents to say okay well you don't really you don't need to have uh, they don't have to have uh, health conditions to, to to do homeschooling we'll we'll offer it and I think more most people also wanted their kids to go back to school you know it, so we start seeing the gradual return to offices you know in the community with uh, with the, the different organizations and businesses uh, allowing more people to come into work uh, I mean you you were working uh from home for uh from March 2020 until uh September uh 2021 that was you know and, and I think that was the norm in a lot of places right so uh having having that change uh you know it was it was it was I mean it was concerning uh you know seeing this new variant come up but also we were at a good place in the community with, uh, with regards to the pandemic right
0: Moving a little bit more into, uh, we were talking about the return to, to school, of course, that usually happens around the, the fall. But we were also talking about asbestos, which hasn't really gone away in the community. But uh, recent reports and, and different things like that with the Mohawk Council of Kahnawake kind of put that, launched it back into the forefront. And I know that,
1: uh, Greg, you've been all over that. Yeah. Go back to May 2019, the community was made aware of uh, landfill throughout the community. Mostly in the Lot 106 area, but but as we later learned, it was more widespread. Uh, landfill using decommissioned uh, sewage pipes with, with that were from the, the 60s and 70s and probably the early 80s. That was the cement contained asbestos. Uh, asbestos at the time was used as a bonding agent in concrete. It was a normal thing at the time. It was only later on where people started learning of the... adverse effects that asbestos could pose on people in 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 its solid form in within concrete piping there's almost no risk however when it's crushed and demolished and put in landfill and and there's more of a potential for the asbestos fibers to be out in the air uh you know it, it became a concern you know and and people were demanding answers the MCK spent probably millions of dollars so far removing asbestos containing material and soil uh, from residential lots in the Lot 106 area, you know, over two summers. And an independent investigation was was, was conducted by uh, Deloitte, Deloitte Forensics. And the report was, was given to council uh, in November. The executive summary was released to the community at the end of November. Being in December through a press conference, finally, probably the first press conference we've we've had in a year and a half. Right. <laughs> um, I mean, the the executive summary does does shed some light, and the council has said that they're going to be uh, accountable and transparent as this moves forward. But there's there's also human resources issues uh, at play here that makes some of this stuff confidential, which is why the entire report hasn't been released to the community, right? I mean it's you know we want the community deserves answers and you know and 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 some of the answers that 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 the community wants aren't being given the the council has said that systemic issues uh led to the problem uh you know you know because uh depending on the department you know they had a different interpretation on the on the, the risk and dangers of of this uh, asbestos-containing material, but what w- what's disconcerting is that in 2016, the Gwangju Environment Protection Office and the Public Safety Commission began raising alarm bells, saying this is this is an issue that needs to be addressed. And the capital units well said no, it, you know it, it doesn't really pose an issue. We, we you know it's not a health risk and whatever. And 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 this was going on behind the scenes that nobody knew about. It wasn't until 2019 that the council knew. And according to report, it was only because somebody in legal services overheard a conversation, and then it, it came to light, and then the community was notified, and 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 you know that's that in itself, you know that's 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 a problem. Is it, it, you know it seems like there that the that the MCK is operating in silos and not communicating with it within its own departments properly, and you know hopefully those are some of the issues that get addressed uh, as as as. This, this issue moves forward. We spoke earlier about a rolling blockade to uh, cancel
0: Canada day in the summer. Um, we did have another rolling blockade here in the community a little bit closer in the fall, actually, which was in support of Wetsuwet'en.
1: Yes. You know, if we go back to January 2020, right before the, before the pandemic, uh, the Wetsuwet'en people in, uh, Northern British Columbia, are fighting against uh, a natural gas pipeline through their traditional territory um, that could pose risks to to some of their you know important important lands uh, within their territory. Uh, it's important to note that the Wet'suwet'en had given Coastal GasLink the 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 proponents of the pipeline an alternate route that it would have would have approved and would have would have been okay with. And Coastal GasLink just said, "Nah, we're gonna go ahead with our plans and that's that." Uh, so they've been fighting this for for years. You know, Coastal Gaslink uh, got a, got an injunction to to prevent uh, the Wet'suwet'en from being on their own land. Uh, you know, in their unceded territory, which is uh, which has been affirmed by the Canadian Supreme Court through a Supreme Court decision in 1996. The title is is has been unceded, and it's their territory. Uh, so the RCMP came in. Uh, you know, basically. Guns blazing and, uh, you know, and, and the SWAT team style raid, you know, that was that was broadcast uh, on Facebook. And, uh, you know, one of their spokespeople had said, uh, you know, shut down Canada and railway blockades ensued right across Canada, including here in the community. Throughout that time, uh, the Wet'suwet'en hereditary chiefs hadn't made a visit to Mohawk Territory, uh, you know, uh, in Ganawaga and in Taindanaga uh where people were were really uh you know showing a lot of support and uh a formal agreement our relationship was was forged between the two communities and then um in November the Wet'suwet'en issued a an eviction notice to a Coastal Gaslink uh said these guys got to leave our territory you're violating all, uh, all these different things that you know that you shouldn't be doing and uh, within days the RCP went back in and 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 opened up, uh, tried to open up the, the roads again, and uh, so rolling blockades were held across Canada again, including our community to show, show to show support for the Wet'suwet'en.
0: You know, while well, talking about the fall, um, I just wanted to mention James Day and the Haunted Woods crew because of all the events that they were holding. You know, from the end of the summer, like right up on through, through Halloween, of course, but a lot of the events which included uh, you know, drive-ins and a uh, haunted drive-bys and. There was also a haunted mini putt. Um, in each circumstance, uh, James Day and his crew would always collect money for the Orville Stand Up Memorial Food Basket. Yes, which uh, you know, even more recently into Christmas, uh, for whatever reason, James Day has the Christmas spirit this year. Yeah, <laughs> and they were, you know, <laughs> so
1: definitely a shout out to uh, to James Day and his crew. Yeah, for sure, he had a he collaborated with uh Ma's Cafe to create a a, a haunted Christmas. Style drink, yeah. Uh, where a pr- portion of the proceeds were were donated to the the, the uh, Orville Stand Up Memorial Food Basket. Uh, he also collaborated with the Gunawaukee Brewing Company to create a haunted brew of some sort, uh, with proceeds going also going to the uh, the food basket. At one point,
0: I felt like we were interviewing James almost every other week because of all the events that they were having. And it sounds like uh, next year is going to be another big year for his crew because he plans on announcing a lot in the next couple of weeks.
1: Yeah, I mean, and 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 this is a guy who who has a lot of Halloween spirit. And you know, the the pandemic put the brakes on a milestone year for him uh, with his Haunted Woods, uh, and and he adapted and 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 in twenty twenty did a Haunted Drive by rather than. Uh, haunted woods but then uh, he was able to have the haunted woods this year uh, and you know he went all out him and the crew went all out again. And you know speaking of, uh, of raising a good chunk of
0: change that means we would absolutely have to talk about the uh, seventh edition of Winter Wonderland which was hosted at La Vista just recently actually. Yes
1: I think the Winter Wonderland has become one of those holiday traditions in the community and you know in a a very short period of time in 2020 it wasn't able to be had the way we normally do it uh it was done virtually and uh you know people just uh you know put their their names in a hat kind of but this year they were able to you know have uh, a larger event uh more like we normally have but uh had to go to a different venue just because just to ensure the that proper spacing and social distancing was was held, and at at the end of everything, uh, you know, a lot of money was raised for Gurunya Rasta's scholarships. Yeah, definitely. Uh, just
0: after or before expenses, rather, it was uh, just a little over one hundred and three thousand dollars. So a lot of people were very very excited for the return of Winter Wonderland. Oh, yes. Of course, that brings us a little bit closer to today. Unfortunately, we have to talk about Omicron, which is not a transformer.
1: <laughs> or or, or Sadly, a dog computer. No. <laughs> <laughs> We're all sitting here in masks right now. Um because this is the variant I think that is the scariest in, in terms of transmissibility. No doubt. The jury's still out on on whether or not it's it's worse or than than or the same as other others in terms of uh severity of illness. We do know that if you have been, if you have been vaccinated, uh, that if if you were to get a breakthrough infection of any of the variants, that your that the chances of illness are uh, severe illnesses are 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 very much diminished, uh, and that seems to be also true with with Omicron, and studies are showing that. A third shot of any of the of the COVID vaccines is 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 very effective. The Omicron variant is very new. It, it first emerged in South Africa in late November, and it's already now the dominant strain in in Quebec, likely the rest of Canada as well. We're looking at uh, you know. An unprecedented number of cases in the province. Uh, I think this week we've we've seen uh, daily numbers top thirteen thousand, rolling average being over uh, seven day average being over ten thousand. Uh, those are numbers we've never seen before, and and it's just you know it's 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 concerning. It's something that we have to keep our eye out for it because it's aerosolized, so it has a little bit more. There's a little bit more of concern of, of, uh, regarding it. We talk about
2: the transmissibility of it. And, and the viral load, Francois Legault came out this morning and said, you know, uh, a third booster is going to reduce the, the viral load by 75%. And I, I, I don't know where those numbers are coming from, I guess, from the Quebec Public Health Department. But he, he mentions the third vaccine. Uh, he mentions the third booster. But I think what's important to note is in terms of the numbers, we're prob- they're probably on the low side because a lot of people just can't get tested. The government was supposed to be able to roll out the the rapid test kits and and the the antigen kits free of charge to people starting December twentieth, and you can't put your hands on a test unless you've lined up at five a.m. in front and, of the pharmacy. And,
1: and and also the the positive antigen test from rapid test isn't included in any of these numbers, right? Because nope. uh, nobody's report you're it's, not required to report on that's it. right. Uh, so, you know, they're saying that the numbers could be the tip of the iceberg. And I mean, you just look in, in our community, the week between Christmas and uh, and New Year's, the, the testing site was open for three days. And, you know, on the first day, they announced that if anybody's needing a test, they should try to book elsewhere because it was, they were, they were overrun and, and, and didn't have room for any more throughout the rest of the week. Mm-hmm you know and and the numbers in the community uh as of Wednesday evening are 93 active cases uh within the community uh there's one hospitalization you know so so you know it's concerning i mean the evidence that we're seeing uh you know and 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 from from people who who are who are sick or who have it is is that it's much less severe you know you know getting some aches and pains and sniffles and sore throat some people are having a little bit rougher time but it's not you know the you know, we're, we're not seeing people getting the uh, the pneumonia uh, that COVID was causing at the start, which is what alerted the World Health Organization to to something that was something potentially dangerous.
2: Early evidence also suggests that the Omicron variant is less likely to cause
1: myocardiopathy. So, and and one of the things is that they're seeing too is is breakthrough infections of Omicron. Mm-hmm. Are resulting in a greater immune response. Yeah, um, your,
2: your antibodies are supposed to have, have, have you know, expanded.
1: What, what happens is, 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 is what, what they're seeing is, after you've gotten your, your second dose of a vaccine, you, you, you have an immune response of... It's uh, something like 90 times of, of what you had before. And when somebody gets a, a breakthrough infection after being fully vaccinated is they're seeing the immune response a thousand times more, which is which which results in better immunity long term afterwards. So this could be, you know, one of those things that, you know, that that helps us reach the 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 levels of herd immunity we need to end this pandemic. And I think that's I think that is what the point you just
2: touched on is the most important one, is that 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 herd immunity has to take place without the hospitalizations to go along with it. Because, yeah, and, that, and that's
1: yeah. and that's the concern. And and I mean we're we're seeing numbers that are that are astronomical, and even though there's likely less severe illness but with the sheer numbers it's a percentage game right and then then you're going to look like with with the amount of people who are getting sick you know the the hospitalizations are going to increase and and that's that's where the issue is Mm -hmm. and 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 the concern we don't want to cripple an already fragile healthcare system, healthcare system and that's that's the problem and I mean, I think Quebec's numbers yesterday were, was over 800 hospitalizations, you know, and, uh, I think before we went on Christmas vacation, there was 400. They've doubled basically in the last few days. Yeah. So, so it's, uh, it's, you know, it's concerning. Mm -hmm. It is a concern. And and I think that, um, you know, people just need to be, be very careful and continue to be careful.
0: Mm -hmm. Well, we've certainly covered a lot today, but I know that. The headlines we discussed are only just scratching the surface of uh, each of our 2021. Uh, we cover story after story after story on a weekly basis. What are you guys looking forward to
1: for come next year? I could start by saying something closer to normal. <laughs> I mean, th- 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 like I, I I I would love it. I mean, uh, you know, you know, pandemics, uh, you know, typically last. Uh, you know, two to three years, uh, you know, we're March, 2022 20, will be two years, uh, that we've been in this. Hopefully, you know, I think in, in October, November, everybody was very, very optimistic thinking, all right. Yep. In, in a few months, this is going to be behind us. Uh, things are gonna be back to normal or a semblance of normalcy. And then Omicron hit and, and kind of have people reevaluating things that. You know you know with with non-essential businesses being closed uh you know are are reducing hours you know um, bars being closed outside of outside of the community theaters being shut down um you know restaurants in the community being uh shut down the the manufacturing industry in the community has been shut down until uh mid first week of january uh you know I'm not I'm I'm I, I want to be optimistic uh, but I don't, also don't want don't to want to get my my uh, I I don't want to get my hopes up only to be let down. Oh I understand I feel you.
2: Yeah I I'm in the same boat um professionally I'm looking forward to reporting on the end of the pandemic. I'm really excited about the potential for that down the road, like that's something that that fills me with hope and joy. Th- thanks, Mark. You just set us back uh, yeah. by vocalizing that. <laughs> I, I like to think I haven't. I like, to, I like to think I haven't jinxed us. But on the other hand, you know, as Greg said, we're looking at two to three years, and March 2022 is not that far away, and that'll be two years. Personally, uh, from a personal standpoint, I'm looking forward to gyms reopening. I I love the gym. There's you know great facility that uh, right here. In the community that um, that caters to all ages and 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 body shapes and levels and uh, you know just recently Greg and I had a great time working out together in that gym, and I would highly recommend uh, that everybody get the chance when they go back. So, uh, it is my happy place. I love the gym. You know, I always leave there feeling great. And so uh, that's, from a personal standpoint, that's what I'm looking forward to.
0: Well, we're definitely looking forward to a, a happy and healthier 2022. So I'd like to take this opportunity to thank both of you gentlemen for joining me today to discuss uh, some of the headlines of 2021. Yeah, go. Thank you. Thank yeah, you for listening. Stay up to date with all your Yerdiwazay podcasts, including Profiles, The Cycle, and Front Page, by following the Yerdiwazay podcast channel on Apple, Spotify, and Google.